Balls Out Episode 4 was recorded in front of a live studio audience. What's up, everybody? Zach here. One of your two favorite pairs of balls in the podcasting game. Since corporate America is still sleeping on your boys, and we don't have any advertisements to promote right now, in lieu of that, we're accepting Venmo donations of $2 for whatever you'd like us to say on the podcast. As long as it's not anything hateful, mean, cruel, anything that'll get us canceled, anything extremely negative, we'll go ahead and say it. If it's a joke, if it's something loving, if it's just something fun, if it's you talking about Paul Pierce sharding, for example, we're all about it. Just go ahead and Venmo Sean-Janos, $2, and he'll say whatever, and then go ahead and Venmo Zach-Lane-15, $2, and I'll read whatever you want. Thanks a lot, everybody. Now back to the podcast. Hey, everybody. Episode four of the Balls Out Podcast, and we are live in Zach's living room. I am so excited to be here. First one that we've ever recorded in person. It is um, Thursday night. We got the Nets-Bucks game on. Uh, Zach, how are you doing tonight? Feels booed when rude Jude sends nudes. Big schmood. <laughs> That's a shout out for Corey Susie right there. Came through with the big plug, sending $2. Uh, yeah, I'm really stoked to be here with you, Sean. It's me, you, great friends, Joe and Maggie, live studio audience here with us, and right. we're chilling. Nice. So, let's jump right into it. Let's go into some basketball. Um, let's get into some balls. Series has garnered a lot of national attention here, and that's the Suns Nugs. You know, um, Suns have really been absolutely obliterating the Nuggets in this series. Uh, they're out, they've outscored them 245 to 203 through the two games. Just kind of really taking it to them. Outscored by 42 points. Zach, any thoughts on this one? Dare I say it, the Suns are smoking the Nugs right now. Oh, weed. <laughs> Good weed jokes, real quick. Uh, yeah, this series pretty disappointing for me right now, considering I bet money on the Nuggets to win over the Suns here. Oof. And they've just been getting absolutely creamed. Uh, Jokic averaged, what, 32 a game, 33 a game against the Blazers. Mm-hmm. And he's had 24 in one game against the Suns, 22 in another game. A very important alarm going off right now. Yeah, that's my laundry. <laughs> Something big's happening. Uh, yeah, Jokic, kind of disappointing at the moment, but it's really just showing how good DeAndre Ayton has become in his third year. Yeah, he's done a solid job. Um, I think another thing to note is how awful the team has been around Jokic. Like, no one's really stepping up to pick up any sort of slack that he's living. I mean, leaving. It's uh, it's real sad that they don't have Jamal Murray. I mean, Michael Porter Jr., 9 of 26 this series. Compazzo, 6 of 16. Rivers, 4 of 12. And Aaron Gordon, the only real bright spot at 11 of 21. And those are the rest uh, of the starters. And that's Aaron Gordon as a quote-unquote bright spot with six points last game. <laughs> he had, I At least he's efficient. Was, yeah, he had 18 in the first game. He had six last game. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they made the trade for him. He was the number one or number two guy in Orlando, which obviously not suited for that role. But he was supposed to come into Denver, be at least a really solid supporting piece for them. He's been a really, really good defender for Denver 
but his offense just really hasn't translated even off of Jokic's incredible playmaking. And without Jamal Murray, they need somebody else to step up. Michael Porter Jr. has been trying. Still his second year. He's played under or maybe just over a full season of regular season games at this point. He had the long playoff run with them last year, which got him some experience, but the dude's still like 22 years old. He's really not ready to carry the load that they need from him. Right. I mean, a guy that he's just come back from injury. This is someone that I think can be that second guy, like maybe, at least for stretches or for a few games. And that's uh, it's Willie Barton. Man, you described as a chill-looking dude when we were watching the other night. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I would hang with Will Barton. What do you like about his game? I just kind of think he's the man in a lot of ways. He's just really unafraid. He goes to the basket pretty much whenever he wants. He chucks up shots. I don't know, he's not really the best defender, but it seems like he can do it all on offense. And he's absolutely unafraid of having any defender on him. So it's going to be tough because he just came back from injury. So for him in this series against this Suns team, I mean, we can talk about how bad the Nuggets have been, but I think the simple fact is just that the Suns have been pretty fucking amazing so far. They were really good against the Lakers. They closed them out in six games. And... Now at this point, they're up 2-0 on Denver. They had the two games at home. You're supposed to win those two games. But it seems like they have all the momentum heading back to Denver. Right. Uh, so we've talked about how bad the Nuggets have been. But the Suns, pretty impressive all-around team performance in both games. They hadn't had anyone score over 25 in either game. But all of their starters have finished in double digits both games. And I think a lot of that has to do with uh, how Chris Paul really moves the ball. He's had a, an electric start to this, uh, this series. He's got 38 points and 26 assists through the two games with only one turnover. He had a 15-assist, zero-turnover game in Game 2, and the last player to do that in a playoff game was Chris Paul in 2014. And the last player to do it before him was Chris Paul in 2008. <laughs> I saw that stat like just a few minutes ago, and it really like shook me. I was like, damn. Chris Paul is a generational talent. Just consistently grinding and putting up 15 points, zero assists in the playoff game at 36 years old is pretty fucking insane. Just dominating playoff games at 36 years old is crazy. And last game, the Suns won by 25. Their leading scorer was Devin Booker with 18 points, and he took 14 shots. So this has just been an insane team effort by them. Mm -hmm. And it's... Just fucking frustrating that the Nuggets don't have Jamal Murray at this point. Because you'd really love to see the two of these teams go at each other at full strength. Because I think, at this point, I mean, I fucking made the bet on the Nuggets. Which is really sad, because I'm not feeling good about it at all right now. But it feels like the Suns will probably win this series in, I mean, maybe five, six games. And with Jamal Murray, I feel like this series would go the distance, and you wouldn't really know who's going to come out on top. Make an official prediction. I'll say Suns in five. Fuck, that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> you can still do it. Nah, I'm going to do Nuggets in seven. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. 
just a fucking complete 180 right there. I still have faith. The Suns, they won both their home games. They did what they were supposed to do. They still have a chance. To... They blew them out in both of their home games. Yeah, but the Nuggets, they still have a chance to take care of business at home and steal steal early game 5 or 7 in Phoenix. And I think that's entirely possible. They got that mile high. The mile high advantage right there. That's right. Devin yeah. Booker, young stud, 24 years old, coming to Denver, legal weed. Yeah, who knows? What's you never know what's going to happen. Him and Kendall Jenner getting after it. You never know what's going to happen. That's right. And Jokic just has that kind of talent to change a series based on the way he is playing and him alone. Yeah. It's it's tough. The series against Portland, he's getting defended by Nurkic, who's a pretty good defender, but... Nerdkic. <laughs> Nerdbitch. Yusuf <laughs> Nerdbitch. He's a pretty solid defender, but not like any sort of all-world defender or anything like that. It's just that he's getting compared to fucking penis cancer out here. (laughs) (laughs) One of the worst defenders in the league. Yeah, there's a reason he was in foul trouble every game. Yeah, so Nurkic fouled out, what, three out of the six games? Something like that. Four out of the six games or something like that, and now he's playing against DeAndre Ayton. I thought it was seven out of the six games, to be honest. (laughs) It seemed like it. It It's just every second he was picking up a foul. But now he's going against DeAndre Ayton, super athlete, 23 years old. He's really, really surprised me. Adonis body. He's an absolute stud. And the progress that he's made this season has been so surprising. He's definitely just one of the like young player developmental stories of this season. Just going crazy in the playoffs so far. Yeah, man. He's like the third one in that draft class to be having an awesome uh, playoff run with uh, Luca and Trey also uh, doing their things. Yeah. One of the two. One of the two. Holy shit, dude. This studio audience is getting out of control. <laughs> they're crazy. I don't know if it's support. I don't know. If it's I think they're throwing things at you. They don't like, they don't like your takes. So. <laughs> DeAndre in real quick. Because it's just some been so impressive what he's been doing so far. I mean, playing the defense that he's been playing on Jokic, limiting a guy to, what, 24 and 22 points doesn't sound like that great, but he averaged 32 or 33 in the series against Portland. Jokic was also, we didn't mention this, just crowned the MVP of this season. That's right. It's official now. It's official, so Aiton's had to go against him, but... In the playoffs so far, his first playoff appearance through eight games, he's shooting 75% from the field, (laughs) which is pretty fucking ridiculous. Averaging 16 points, 10.5 rebounds per game, which he's not getting an insane amount of looks. It's Chris Paul Paul and Devin Booker dominating the ball, but they're just spoon-feeding him, and he's coming through when it matters. That's right. All right, let's get a nice, clean segue into the Jazz Clippers series Slide here. Right yeah, so um, I feel like we can't begin talking about this until we address the series that the Clippers just got out of, which was a intense dogfight with the Mavs. It was a real gut check series for them. They uh, they had to show us, they had to prove to us that they're a title contender. Yeah, who was your pick in that series? I had Dallas in five, and it was looking so, so good with the 2-0 series lead, the two wins in L.A., but then the... L.A. In L.A. But then the uh, the Clippers kept up the trend of the road team winning, and that kept all the way up till game seven, and then they uh, pulled out the first home win of the series to uh, 
to lock it up, and it was really on the back of Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, Clippers pullout game, very strong at the end of the series. So strong. Kawhi was just like the most efficient 30 and 40 point games I've ever seen. Yeah, just absolutely fucking insane. Just to keep up with what Luka was doing by himself. Yeah, it's tough when you got Kawhi going for over 30 a game. You got Paul George going for mid to high 20s every game. Emphasis on mid. (laughs) Well, we'll talk about that when we get to the first Clippers-Utah game. But Paul George actually coming through in the first round. Not surprising, not super high stakes in the first round. Yeah, as the stage gets bigger, he'll he'll uh, shine duller. He'll get a little he'll get a little tinier. Paul George will do his best Joe Morello impression. Yeah, get real <laughs> small. Just get real tiny out there. But it's tough when Luca is basically going against two near all NBA guys by himself. Nobody else on the Mavericks really showing up for him besides just the occasional wet three pointers. Yeah. It's like Tim Hardaway Jr. You're supposed to have Porzingis be your second best player, and yeah, what'd you say about uh, changing the Porzingis trade to the Tim Hardaway trade? Yeah, they should really. We have to start referring to it as the Tim Hardaway Jr. trade instead of the the KP trade because um, he's obviously the most valuable piece that the Mavs acquired in that deal. It's slightly slanderous. I don't think so. I still think Porzingis next year is going to have a big bounce back year. He's got to figure out how to play defense, man. He just get he's like. Teams just seek him out on the perimeter because they know they can run around it. Well, that's the problem. He used to be a good defender. When he was on the Knicks, he was a really fucking good defender. What, he when just... he was 20 years old? <laughs> what is he now? 25? Yeah, Not that much older. Yeah, but he just had that injury this year, so I'm not too surprised by the lack of mobility from him. Will he ever get that mobility back? He's 7'3". I mean, he's got plenty of fucking time off now <laughs> since they got eliminated in the first round. Now he gets to chill. Go back to fucking Lativia. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck Lativia is. Fingers, fingers, he go get some fucking stem cell injections and relax for a little while. Yeah, get in a fucking fight outside of a club. <laughs> Smash a bottle on somebody's head. Yeah, I think, I think Porzingis is going to have a bounce back here next year. I think the... I hope so for Lucas' sake. Kid needs help. I hope so, too. I think he'll be fine. I think another problem for them is uh, switching up Josh Richardson, getting Josh Richardson in there instead of Seth Curry. Seth Curry has been playing really well for the Sixers this entire year. Josh Richardson, who did absolutely fucking nothing in the playoffs for the Mavericks. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty tough one right there. Yeah, he was hardly in the rotation, which... Is incredible considering how thin they were. Yeah, exactly. Considering they were playing Boban fucking big minutes. He played well. I thought the Boban switch was a good uh, coaching move. I just thought it was weird how they had Boban and KP on the court at all times, then Maxi and Powell. Yeah, it was weird. They couldn't decide between super big balls and then super small balls. Yeah. But in theory, of those four big men, uh, Boban's the only one who can't stretch the floor. Yeah, that's true. Boban. Again, in theory. Um, Powell's not a great shooter. <laughs> I don't think Boban can stretch enough to touch his toes, dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long way down. <laughs> a really long way down. <laughs> He's pulling a hammy just fucking thinking about it. Yeah, speaking of pulled hammies... Uh, Ooh. <laughs> Are you talking about my dad again? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, Big Papa Smoothie. Still hasn't recovered four years later. Talking about another crafty point guard, and that's uh, Mike Conley. Hey. He, he missed game one of this uh, Jazz Clippers series with a, a hamstring injury. 
uh, necessary cone, Lee. <laughs> yeah, Jazz pulled out the the win at home, one twelve, one oh nine, without Conley. He's he's questionable to play game two. Sauce. Status is pretty up in the air. Oh, in game two, that's tonight. I wonder if we'll get an update on that. Yeah, so we can give an update. Just say we're watching Bucks Nets right now, like you mentioned before. We're in the fourth quarter. There's five and a half minutes left. It's 76 all. So, I mean, in about in about in about 45 minutes, because there's five minutes left in this game. Right. <laughs> then the Jazz game will be coming on, because we know with all the timeouts and all the fucking stoppages at the end. Oh yeah, but um, I just received word from uh, our producers over in New York. <laughs> is that Julius Randle? Yeah, yeah, it's Orange Julius. That Mike Conley will miss game two tonight. Uh, bad Conley. Bad Conley. But yeah, they managed to pull out the win without him, which is pretty impressive, seeing as he was their second best offensive player all last round. But uh, other guys stepped up. Um, Bogdanovich and Clarkson each had 18, and Gobert had a double-double. But the man who really stole the show for the Jazz was Mitchell with a fucking 45 spot yeah coming through like jordan with the shrug dude mm-hmm shots yeah 45 points on 30 shots it's fucking awesome that's i mean it's pretty solid 30 shots is <laughs> so many fucking shots and the clippers just couldn't find a way to keep up Kawhi only had 23 on 19 shots pg had 20 shooting four of 17 fucking gross and uh it's way off p shit that's way off p and then the next high score was uh luke kennard off the bench with 18 Luke Kennard uh, played a fucking huge role against the Mavericks in that series. And <laughs> Not. <laughs> towards the end, though, he was yeah, really going for it. I finally started using him. He caught some DNPs early on because they were insistent on playing Pat Bev 30 minutes. Yeah, which is fucking disgusting, dude. <laughs> I don't know what Pat Bev's role is out there. Besides to just antagonize motherfuckers and try and start street fights. Yeah, but kudos to Ty Lue for making that coaching change and uh, figuring out a way to st uh, win that series. Yeah. Kennard, I have faith in him. I think he's. Re I actually think Luke Kennard is really good. I'm a fucking supporter. Um, that series, the Clippers just came off Game Seven against the Mavericks. It was a fucking crazy, hard fought, crazy long series that are down 0-2 at the beginning. Sounds crazy. Pretty nuts, dude. <laughs> Pretty out of control. And they lost by three in Utah. I get it was without Mike Conley, but they had what one day off in between. I feel like the Clippers are going to come out win this game, too. I feel like, I mean, 23 points on 19 shots is an off game for Kawhi right there. Right. 4 for 17 is a regular game for way off P. <laughs> we'll see if he can switch up to his preferred nickname of Playoff P, which is just a fucking horrible nickname anyway. Terrible. Awful marketing. Yeah, exactly. Nike's not picking that shit up. No. I do have Paul George's shoes, and I'm fucking hesitant to wear them after that last game. Yeah, dude, you gotta watch out for the compound fractures, too. Yeah, I gotta watch out for the fucking backboards in the area. I don't want to start shattering anything. <laughs> but, yeah, Donovan Mitchell looks amazing. And coming off of his injury when he missed the first game of the Utah-Memphis series, right? he has played... He played the four games after that, and now he's played the one game in the Clippers series, so that's just five games, and he already dropped a 45-piece on the Clippers. Right, and he was out with the injury for a little bit, for I think just short of a month. Yeah, he missed a good chunk of time. Mm -hmm. 
So Donovan Mitchell is really looking like the man right now. Yeah, I mean, he's continuing that awesome playoff run that he had last year where he was just putting up all of Utah's points, it seemed like. And, I mean, he had almost half of them this game. Yeah. Which is not surprising because they really need him to go off to win, especially without Conley. Right. But also, I mean, Bogdanovich could step up just about at any time. Yeah, they have guys that can hit shots like Bogdanovich, Clarkson. Um, Jingles. Yeah, Jingles can create. Yeah, Australian moth. Yep, when Conley's healthy, he's like the ideal secondary playmaker yeah. on a playoff team. He's got the experience, the know-how. He can hurt you in a bunch of different ways, and he plays great defense. Yeah. Pretty he's awesome. Good. He's a good second fiddle for Donnie right there. Right. Don, does anybody call Donovan Mitchell Donnie? I feel like you're the only one. You've been really trying to get it to catch um, here. <laughs> I'm really liking it right now, actually. Shout out Donnie. So, what's your what's your prediction for this series? Clippers in three. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go uh, for this one. I'll go Clippers in six yet again. Yeah, consistent. Yeah, I got clips here. These are probably my two least favorite teams in the playoffs. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> what a hater, dude! I don't have anything against the Clippers? Actually, I just really wanted the Mavs to win that series. But I do have a lot against the Jazz. I can't stand Rudy Gobert. We know. <laughs> Everybody who's listened knows. <laughs> Rooting against them hasn't worked for me yet, so I'm going to have to uh, try to jinx them by taking their side here. Okay. I'm going to take the Jazz in six. I'll take the opposite of your pick, Jazz in six. All right, nice. They close it out in L.A. Care to make a wager on it? Sure. <laughs> Should we bring up past wagers right now? Yeah, they usually seem to break your way. The other day we we, uh, we bet on Sixers-Hawks game one, which is in theory a terrible bet for Zach because he just straight up gave me one-to-one odds and he took the Hawks. In theory. This is why we don't trust theories, folks. Only fucking facts out here. Games aren't won on paper. I get it. That's right. And uh, so I lost that one. Yeah, baby. And paid for Zach's awful parlay. <laughs> hey, awful right now. The series aren't over yet. True, true. All right, so you got Clippers in six, I got Jazz in six. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. I think you're done because... I think you're done. What happened to the Clippers in game one last round? They lost. And what happened? They won the series. So what do you think is going to happen now? History repeats itself, bro. If history repeats itself, then they will lose in round two like they did last year. (sighs) Sweaty. (laughs) Or go to the conference finals against Denver and then blow a 3-1 lead, which would be... Absolutely fucking fantastic. Oh, just poetic. Oh, it'd be so great. If Denver can make it to the conference finals. It's looking booed right now. Alright, so uh, we're going to take a short break right here. And then uh, when we come back, we're going to dive right into the the other side of the country. Talk about the Eastern Conference. Alright, let's get into it. Hey everybody, Zach here. Just want to shout out a good bud in my life. A guy that created the logo for our podcast. His name's Corey Susie. He's kind of a fucking degenerate. He eats cigarettes sometimes, but in general, he's a pretty great cone. He's a fantastic artist. He's a hilarious guy. And I gotta say, I love him. You can find him on Instagram and his main page, Corey Susie. That's C-O-R-E-Y-S-U-S-I like sus with an i at the end fitting and you can also follow his art page at designs underscore by underscore sues 
Sue is spelled S-O-O-Z. So, shout out, Corey. I don't know if you're listening or not. If not, you're a dick. But if you are, I love you, bud. Thanks a lot. And now back to the pot. And we're back from that short break. Sean, what's going on? I remember all my life raining down as cold as ice shadows of a cat whiskers through a window crying in the night the night goes into morning just another day happy kittens pass my way looking in their eyes i see a memory i never realized how happy you made me oh mickey Well, you came and you played without biting But I sent you away, oh Mickey Well, you scratched me and stopped me from sleeping But I need you tonight, oh Mickey Yeah, so that's just kind of how I'm feeling tonight. That was a freestyle right there, everybody. <laughs> yeah, right off the top. I had to sing uh, my beautiful kitten, uh, Mickey, a lullaby, because uh, my roommate, landlord, brother, Evan, then owed me $2 to sing uh, Mickey a lullaby, because apparently she was missing me so much on my trip here to Florida. A lot of money, and very worth it right there. You know, that was, uh, for those of you of uh, not of the finer tastes, that is uh, a parody of Mandy by Barry Manilow. I'll be honest. I had no fucking idea. You closed your eyes. I thought you blacked out for a second. <laughs> Just completely belted that out <laughs> off the dough. Not not a big uh, fanalo. <laughs> I'm barely a fanalo. Oh, no. <laughs> if you'd believe it, I, I definitely believe it. Yeah. All right. So uh, back to basketball. You think? <laughs> I mean, unless you want to sing any more tunes for us, I'm very open to it. That's the only one I got. All right, then we can go back to the games. All right, so let's start with um, 76ers Hawks. Motherfucking 1-1 series right now. Oh, my God, dude. Please silence your ringers during the podcast. All right, ringer completely silenced. <laughs> All right, we'll just fucking we'll just go back and edit out of that. Now we're keeping that in. All right, fuck it. <laughs> we're keeping that in. All right, so... Uh, Sixers Hawks. Uh, Embiid had uh, he's averaging thirty nine and a half this series. Kind of kind of legendary. Um, Tobias Harris twenty one, I think. Yeah, he had twenty and twenty two. Uh, Seth Curry had twenty one both games. And then uh, the real difference between game one and game two was that uh, Simmons wasn't as involved in game two, which actually probably played to the Sixers' benefit. Yeah, Simmons taking a little backseat on offense there, but absolutely grinding on defense, taking way more possessions, guarding Trey Young, him and Matisse Thybul. In the first game, Danny Green was the primary defender on Trey Young, and he completely ate him up for 35 points. And then game two, a little bit of a switch up. Simmons and Thybul took the assignment, and Trey Young only went for 21. It was 6 of 16 shooting, if I'm not mistaken, for Trey. Yeah, 6 of 16, 1 of 7 on threes for Trey Young. I mean, still ended up with 21 and 11. Still good numbers. Only, 
I mean, four turnovers, not too shabby. But if this Hawks team is going to win, they're going to need more than 21 points from Trey Young. They're going to need him to be playing the way he did against the Knicks, which was basically getting 30 or more every single game. Right. The The major problem, I think, for the Hawks in that game, too, was they had 17 turnovers to Philly's seven. So they were really just giving away possessions. That's why they didn't have a lot of shots. They shot decent percentages. They shot 46 from the field, 37 from three. But they were giving the ball away any chance that they got. I would say the turnovers, big factor, but I think the main problem for the Hawks in that game was Joel Embiid <laughs> dropping 40 on their fucking faces. Career, playoff career high for him. If you can't stop him in any way whatsoever when he's got a fucking torn meniscus, it's going to be a real bad series for him. Right. Um, also, they hit 23s in that game one. Very hard to replicate. Ah, ask the Knicks. Might not be too hard to replicate. It seemed like they had 23s every single game against the Knicks. But probably because they shoot like 53s every single game. Right. That Philly defense is different. Um, the Did you see the Defensive Player of the Year uh, voting results? I did not. So, are you telling me Derrick Rose was not on the all-defensive team? No, he wasn't. Wow. Very interesting. But there were three 76ers on it with uh, Simmons handily taking the number two spot. Um, Embiid, 7th, and Thibault, 10th. Thibault got one third-place vote to put himself on the on the board. Legend. Let's go. But Simmons, he actually got um, 15 of the first-place votes, 15 of the 100. Well, that's not too, too surprising. Ben Simmons is a world-class defender. He can defend 1 through 5 very capably. He's 6'10", about 240, 250 pounds. We have a possible concussion in the studio audience. <laughs> oh my god Devastating game of war going down right now Megan, how many fingers? Too many <laughs> We matched on aces and I won three versus two again on the war Oh my god She gave me a face card Rob me wow. The tiniest guy comes up with the tiniest dubs in war right. It keeps happening as, a, as I was saying Gobert 84 first place votes Simmons 15 and then one for Bam Jeez. So Simmons was the only one to really, in the voters' eyes, to really rival Gobert's uh, defensive production. Uh, rival, eighty-four to fifteen. Well, total points, Gobert had four sixty-four, and Simmons had two eighty-seven. <laughs> You're not making the rivaling case. Next highest after that is seventy-six. Okay. Gobert's still absolutely light years ahead in the voting. Yeah, I get that. That's so much fucking media narrative, dude. Guy that can't play perimeter defense is just the best defender. Eh, he's not too too bad at switching out on the perimeter at this point. Yeah, Simmons is elite at it. Simmons is elite everywhere. Yeah, but Gobert absolutely locks down at the rim. And when your whole system is just have your perimeter defenders, I mean, just kind of overstretch themselves on the perimeter, go for steals and everything, let the guys come inside so Gobert can swallow them up. It'll lead to big-time numbers for Gobert inside, and it just shows his impact down there. So now that you mention that, I kind of think Kawhi can be a major problem for them because he is not shy to pull that 15-20 to 20 footer. That's in the dead, the dead zone in that Utah uh, defense. It's really the shot that you need in the playoffs. The mid-range shot, it's the problem. We'll get to it later in the Bucks nets series, but it's the problem that Giannis has where he just 
can't hit the mid-range shot. He can't hit a three-point shot either, but he can't hit the mid-range, and that's the shot that you need in the playoffs. That's what all the playoff closers have. Do you have anything else on Sixers-Hawks? I have a bet on Sixers-Hawks. Do you think the Hawks win the series? Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt in my mind. All right, I'll, I'll throw 10 on it. I got the Sixers. I already, I already threw 10 on game one. It's pretty solid. Yeah, we know we've we've talked about it. I got a free I got a free bet going on Denver, Atlanta, and Milwaukee right now. <laughs> that Milwaukee one's looking great. I, we'll talk about it because now they're two one, and it actually is looking pretty solid right now. <laughs> it would have been way better for you to bring that up before they won this game. I will, for the sake of looking a coward on the podcast i'll look like a coward on the podcast i'm not gonna take that bet okay so you bring up making a bet and then right when i say i'm down let's make it you fucking back i brought up a bet that i had already made i didn't bring up an active bet that i was trying to make at this point you said how about we make a wager (laughs) you could go back you're listen you're gonna be the one who's gonna fucking edit this you're gonna go back and you're gonna find out i did not say let's make a wager I said we could make a wager on Clippers Jazz. What's funny is I just got you clean saying let's make a wager. <laughs> You're right, you did. I'll make hey, I'll make a bet on Clippers Jazz right now if you want to. And crickets, folks. <laughs> He's I can see the fucking gears turning right now. Clippers Jazz, I'm trying to make a bet on the Clippers. They're down 0-1 in the series. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sweating. I'll take it. I'll take it. Alright, ten bucks. I got Clippers. Alright. We just dapped up on it. <laughs> If anybody believes we actually dapped up, <laughs> Venmo me right now. <laughs> all right, all right. So the game that just concluded, we just watched the end of it during the break, and uh, that's the Nets-Bucks uh, series. The Bucks just uh, took a game in Milwaukee. They're down 1-2 in the series now. Dubs, baby. They took a, I forgot what the, what was it, like 85-82? Yeah, they went 0-4 pissed and shit on him. I think it was 86-83. Super low score. I feel bad for all those overbetters out there. I feel your pain. Ooh, you're hurting fucking big time on that one. Right. It was Yeah, it ended 86-83. That's <laughs> disgusting. Uh, the first quarter, Giannis and Middleton absolutely carried the Bucks. They scored 15 apiece, and they were the only ones in the Bucks to score. So... I think it was thirty to eleven after the first quarter. Yeah, Drew Holiday had their was their next score, and it took like two or three minutes into the second quarter for that to happen to get a single bucket. <laughs> yeah, they went they went a little cold there, and um, they let the Nets come back. They were up like thirty to nine, and then the Nets ended up tying it up, and it was neck and neck all the way down to uh, the the fourth quarter. But Drew Holiday struggling early, came up big in the clutch at the end. Oh, it came up huge. Put on the moves, hit a little saucy little spin. On Bruce Brown at the end, got a layup, and then... Go ahead, Bucket, with like 11 seconds left. Speaking of Bruce Brown, uh, go-to closer for the Nets? I guess. He missed a floater um, right before the Drew Holiday shot. Missed multiple floaters in the last two minutes. He actually... I don't know if you saw that one. He shot another floater before that floater that you saw that he missed, and they were both very short. So it was, it was KD and takeover, and then... Bruce Brown misses two floaters. They double KD on a super important possession. He has to dump it off to Joe Harris, who bricks a wide-open elbow jumper. And then, um, yeah, Drew Holiday, go up. Bang, bang, up three. And then inbounds for the Nets. Horrible inbounds pass. 
ends up sliding along the ground, bouncing a little bit. Kyrie goes to get it, almost falling out of bounds, flips it to Bruce Brown, who... Hero mode. Yeah. Goes Austin Rivers tunnel vision. Only sees the fucking rim, even though Joe Harris was wide open in the corner. Yep, and Brooke Lopez is enormous and right in front of him. Right in front of him. And Bruce Brown said, fuck it, dude. I'm getting a max contract next year. It takes five dribbles to the rim, goes up with the left, and does not even hit the rim. Nope, puts it clean off the backboard. Bucks get the rebound. Middleton hits the two free throws. Nets get the ball back with, like, two seconds left. KD gets a very contested running three-point look Fucking on the inbounds. Prayer. And it looked pretty good. It hit the back of the rim. It definitely had a chance. Pretty insane. That's, that's just KD. No shot is out of his range. It's like, are you more comfortable with that or a wide-open uh, Joe Harris three? And I'm probably 50-50 on those two. Yeah, or a wide-open Bruce Brown dunk. I would have taken the contested KD three for sure. Oh, yeah, especially down three. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, maybe you get the foul on it. Right. Um, so a pleasant surprise this series that I know you don't want to talk about at all is Mike James. Yeah, disgusting. LeBron's adopted son. Yeah. <laughs> Love Mike James. <laughs> or just LeBron slightly shrunken down with a mask on now that he's out of the playoffs. He's basically a combination of Mike Jordan and LeBron James. <laughs> or Mike Janos and LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, he had um, just something wild I saw in the box score. He had the highest plus minus in game one. No, 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 no. The highest plus minus in game two, and then the second highest plus minus in game one behind KD. The highest puke inducing rate for me of any player in any series that I've ever seen. What don't you like about him? That he's playing against the team you bet? (laughs) Definitely that, for one. Uh, The fact that he just absolutely resembles in every way a generic 2K created player. His name is Mike James. It's two first names. Write down the jersey number. He wears number 55, which I've never seen before in my entire life. And he's a guard, which guards never choose high numbers like that. Wow, you know a lot about him. A lot of free real estate in your in your brain, huh? Oh my Rent God, free dude. up there. I'm tortured every fucking second by Mike James in my mind. My dreams are literally just one-on-ones between me and Mike James, and he's fucking torching me. He's got increased min- minutes with uh, Harden being out this series, which we haven't even addressed yet. The the Nets are just sitting on oh, fucking James Harden. <laughs> Yeah, I, it seems like when you ever you pan to Harden on the sidelines, it just looks like he's like, ah, do I have to play yet, or can I keep chilling? And it seems like he could really just come back whenever he wants to at this point. I have a feeling he's target. He's looking at, like, game five back in Brooklyn, whether it's 3-1 or 2-2. Does he have a hamstring injury? That's what he was grabbing, like, when he went to the tunnel in the first minute of game one. He's grabbing his cock. <laughs> it's too sore from fucking the Bucks that early. <laughs> Yeah, he just kind of, like, he, like, limped off very slightly and then, like, resumed a normal person gait. Like, he seemed, hell- I don't know. I don't think he's injured. I don't think Hot he's take. injured either. I think Harden's fine and that he's just waiting to play when it really matters. Yeah, that's what I think, too. I mean, clubs in Brooklyn pretty good, so if he's just relaxing so he can turn up in the clubs later on after the dubs, that makes sense. Milwaukee? Eh, probably way more crusty. You'll find the spots. Yeah. Good old fried cheese curds in the club. (laughs) (laughs) 
We'll see. If Harden packs on the pounds, dude. That good poontine. Yeah. <laughs> you say poutine or poontine? James, James Harden? Harden? Crushing either or. Doesn't matter. <laughs> so, uh, what's your uh, prediction this series? What do you What do you think? You still sticking with the Bucks here? I'm sticking with the Bucks, dude. I mean, I gotta fucking bet on it. I gotta, I gotta try and manifest anything that I can right now. I'm gonna say Bucks and seven. I think I said Bucks and six last pod. I'll go Bucks and seven on this one because it's definitely looking a little sweatier right now. They fucking eked out a three-point win that was in the '80s. This game. So, if James Harden does come back, it seems like there's absolutely no chance. But if James Harden's gonna be out for the series, I still think the Bucks got it. Word, word. Um, I'm pretty sure I said Nets and seven. Um, I'll stick to it. Okay. Not not hitting the panic, or not the panic button, but the opposite of the panic button. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not hitting the hype button and gonna <laughs> reduce it to five or six. We do have the hype button sitting right here if you want to hit it. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the keys to it. I think Joe hangs on to the the key to the hype button. <laughs> he does. It's my chastity belt. <laughs> <laughs> The hype button, that's just what I've come to calling my penis. <laughs> and I'm trying to hit it, folks. And he's being a real fucking prude, even though I've been letting him stay here. Wow. <laughs> Alright, so, Zach, who's your balls-out player of the week? Just a reminder, um, every week we pick, uh, we each pick a player, coach, or other basketball-related person that went balls-out for the last week. And we uh, just recognize them. So, Zach, who's yours? Who's your balls-out boy? Ooh. I want to say Dennis Rodman. <laughs> because of the video that we just watched again. If anybody hasn't seen it. If anybody hasn't seen it, look up Dennis Rodman overtime interview. Where he says that LeBron's just big and has no moves. <laughs> because that's one of the most balls-out things I've ever heard in my entire life. He also confirms that he eats worms. He does confirm that, which also fucking huge balls out there for admitting to eating worms. But if we're talking actual basketball players right now, Kawhi Leonard's my balls out player of the podcast. Mm, with that awesome game one he had, huh? Nasty game one, but I'm going to throw it back to game seven against the Mavericks. Can I get a video of you throwing it back? <laughs> Absolutely. Hit my line. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Kawhi. He had 28, 10, and 9 in the closeout game against the Mavericks, Game 7. Shot 10 of 15. His efficiency was absolutely fucking unreal against the Mavericks the entire series. I, I love how efficient Kawhi is. He just, like, his box score numbers make me nuts. <laughs> it's big bust season when you're watching Kawhi. Unlike fucking way off P. His counterpart, Kawhi, is just amazing. He gets to his spots, pretty much scores at will at this point. The first game against the Jazz was a little bit iffy, but he's coming off seven games against the Mavericks, and in Game 7 really had to exert a lot of energy guarding Luka. And you know how he loves his rest and his load management? Yeah, you know he likes to take it easy. He's a fun guy, dude. He's got to save energy from partying outside of basketball. But in Game 7, in the fourth quarter, he guarded Luka, absolutely put the fucking clamps on, which was what was happening to Luka in every fourth quarter in the series. But Kawhi absolutely locked him up, came through on the other end, almost had a triple-double in a closeout game. 
and made sure there was no chance that the Clippers weren't going to advance to the second round. And, I mean, if they did flame out in the first round, there was no chance he was staying in L.A. He's coming to New York. So that's slightly a heartbreaker for me right there, but we get to see Kawhi Leonard going further in the playoffs. I think this Clippers team is fucking legit. As I told you last week on the pod, they came back from the adversity down 2-0, down like 30-9 to against the Mavericks in Game 3, ended up winning the series. They're down 1-0 against the Jazz right now. I think they're fine. Kawhi probably chilled in Game 1, see what he could get away with. They lost by 3. He had a pretty shitty game. I think for the rest of the series, it's going to turn up. They could probably take the fucking Jazz down in however many games they want at this point. I mean, put $10 on it, so you better hope so. Hey, it's easy money for me. So my balls out player is uh, none other than the process, Joel Duo 180 Embiid. We got <laughs> Philly fan Joe in the audience going crazy right now. Joel torn meniscus Embiid. <laughs> yeah, right? He, he just had, a, in this Hawks series, 39 and 40 with, uh, I think, 9 and 13 rebounds. Disgusting. Shooting over 50% in both games. Shooting three of eight from three, stretching the floor a bit. You know, you got to respect him out there. Really opens up the rest of his game. And playing stellar rim defense on a torn meniscus, man. Jesus Christ. Like I said last time, I go to work every day with a knee brace on. I don't have a torn meniscus. It's still a pain in the ass. You you putting up 40 at work? Or are you drinking 40s at work? Put up 40 half-barrel kegs today, baby. <laughs> Got numbers. Big numbers. Big numbers. Not Joel Embiid numbers, but I'm putting up numbers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he sat the end of the, the Wizard oh series, God, you know, with the injury. Not worried. No, comes, comes into this one fresh. Or, not fresh, he's hurt. But Comes into this one absolutely torn up. <laughs> in pain, but I'm calling him fresh. He looks fresh. Uh, how big, how fresh can a 7-3 guy really look? Are you kidding me, dude? Uh, no, <laughs> not even in the slightest. Tall guys pull, are you kidding? Yeah, but there's a certain line to it. What is it? Is it 6-2? Uh, <laughs> you, hey, you said it, not me. <laughs> I guess it might be. Well, I draw the line at 5-9. <laughs> Girls on Tinder do not. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So uh, looking ahead to next week, we'll be smack dab in the middle of the second round. We'll probably be around game five again, you know? Yeah. Game five for most of the games, at least. Yeah. Um, this Nets-Bucks one might be a little further along. I'm not sure how many days they're doing for travel. I know it's the next game is going to be on Sunday. So by the time we record the next one, depending on if it's Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll be five games in. All right, so they're really spacing it out. Gotcha. So uh, let's get into uh, the remainder of our Venmo messages. I think each of us still have one left. Uh, Zach, how about you do yours first? Absolutely correct. I have one Venmo deposit of $2 from the handsomest man alive on this planet. His name is Ricardo Rebus. He... Venmoed me and wanted me to tell everybody that he loves LeBron, but he's really glad to see the Suns advance. It's great to finally see the young, hungry superstars making some moves in the playoffs. That being said, the Nets winning the ship will be the biggest wet fart to cap off an otherwise exciting postseason. Fuck those guys. 
That is an all-natural mention of sharding on the podcast, <laughs> which is fantastic. And definitely seems like direct shots at Dan Bova saying fuck the Nets very hard right there. But thanks for the Venmo, Ricky. I entirely agree with you. Fuck LeBron. Fuck Dan Boba, fuck the Nets, and actually I don't entirely agree with you because fuck the Suns, <laughs> I want the Nuggets to advance, <laughs> but thanks for the money. Wow, so Dan, if you want a chance to re- rebut that, you're going to have to Venmo one of Zachary $2 and uh, tell us what you want to say back to Ricky. Yeah. I feel like we can make this feud quite lucrative for us here, Zach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Dan, you have to remember us five bucks if you want to say something. Actually, all right. So I got my Venmo request from none other than Maggie Sells. She asked me to describe the life cycle of a star for our listeners. Something that I'm incredibly passionate about, and I pride myself on my knowledge for. But I, I, I do admit I had to do a little bit of research for this. Yeah, Sean's going to talk about me for the next five minutes. <laughs> star in the room, right? Am I right? Ooh. <laughs> Hater. Ooh, this guy stinks. He's blind right well, now. The studio, how, the studio audience hates from him. From how bright I am. <laughs> shining Ooh. so hard. All right, so the life of a star starts as a, a huge cloud of dust and gas called a stellar nebula. Right? So it's a bunch of these particles just chilling. It still sounds like you're talking about me. Dust and gas chilling. <laughs> I don't know how you're not talking about me. Well, it's this huge mass that's so fucking big that it starts to form its, still own, going to it. It forms its own gravitational pull. It makes all the dust and gas kind of collapse onto itself until it gets super dense and hot. Still counting. And eventually these particles, these particles get so close together that they begin to fuse. And they create either a main sequence star, which is what our sun is. We're very familiar with main sequence stars. Our sun is hot. Or, like Zach, a massive star. Let's fucking go, dude. That's just dependent on how, how large of a nebula this is. And when these particles begin coming together, the hydrogen atoms fuse together to form helium atoms in a process known as nuclear fusion. And this process is what gives stars like our sun the energy to burn so bright and so hot. Like our sun and like Zach, burning very bright and very hot. And uh, as the gravity of space pushes down on the outside of the star, the pressure generated from nuclear fusion inside the star pushes outwards. And this delicate balance just can't last and something has to give. So, eventually, all the star's hydrogen is converted to helium, and the fucking fusion process can't continue any longer. And then the star will begin to collapse under its own weight, getting denser and hotter until all these helium atoms that are left over begin their own nuclear fusion process that creates heavier elements like carbon and oxygen. And since these are heavier elements, the the scales of this delicate balance begin to tip in favor of the forces of fusion. And it causes the star to expand into red giants, in the case of main sequence stars, red giants like Joe, and red super giants like Zach. (laughs) Let's fucking go, dude. So someday our sun will run out of hydrogen atoms and grow into a red giant and consume the Earth. So that's something I'm really looking forward to. (laughs) I gotta say, that ended pretty sadly. (laughs) So... We're getting into the end of the, the life of a star here.
<laughs> I'm enthralled. The main sequence stars, they, they uh, start expanding even more. They keep on expanding from that red giant phase. Till the outer layers expand off into space and away from the core, forming a planetary nebula. And what's left behind of the core is known as a white dwarf, which is kind of what I am. <laughs> Don't put yourself down like that. I would say way more Nikki C than you. Oh, awesome. Well, this is the, the star's corpse. <laughs> R.I.P. Nikki. We loved it. <laughs> The massive stars turn supergiant, die in a much more dramatic fashion. They don't go out quietly like uh, main sequence stars turned red giants. They continue to grow from the nuclear fusion process with even heavier elements than carbon and oxygen all the way up the periodic table up to iron. So the core of a red supergiant that's about to die is iron. It's a solid metal in the middle of that star. And when that starts collapsing on itself as an iron core... So all those particles actually bounce outwards and cause what we know is a supernova, which is the sickest astrological phenomenon that we have. And after the supernova, the corpse of the core that is left behind is a neutron star, which is actually the densest object in the galaxy, a close second to Nick's fans. <laughs> I was going to say second to Joe Morello. Ooh, solid dude. And then, uh, when the, when the the most massive, the rare, largest of the largest stars die, they don't leave behind a neutron star. They leave a fucking rift in our galaxy known as a black hole behind, where light and gravity just cannot escape. Gets sucked. Fucking crazy. It's just the most massive suck of all time. I've been searching for a black hole for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about it that's the life cycle of a star yeah, I love to hear it the bigger they are the, the harder they fall is essentially the uh, the moral of uh, the story here I'm feeling pretty educated right now dare I say it I know right I tried so hard to make it exciting but also correct because I am not spreading misinformation on this pod absolutely not this is real podcast shit that's right so I think that's it for us today. Uh, pretty tight episode here live. Hell yeah. You know, there's a lot less games to talk about. We're really getting down to the, the end here. Live voice. The end of the NBA season. Live audience. Live chilling. Mm-hmm. Big shit going on. Huge shit. Maybe noise in the background. <laughs> that may or may not be edited out. We shall see. Yeah, probably not. I mean, <laughs> I, I love our live studio audience. Hell yeah. Disruptive. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Disrespect your surroundings. Loud motherfuckers in the back. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> it's all right. We got features out here. That's right. So uh, just thank you all for your continuous support. Um, remember to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. Those of you who do all three will get a personalized message. Perhaps a poem from Zach Lane. I got poems As a thank deck. you. And um, Zach, is there anything that you would like to say to our listeners before we sign off? I just want to say thank you. We really appreciate the support. And really glad to have Joe and Maggie out here playing war. Keeping shit entertaining and exciting. The tiniest games of war of all time happening in the background. She's wrecking it. <laughs> And that's what I'm talking about. Joe getting bodied. That's what I fucking like to hear. That's what the fans of the podcast like to hear. 
That's right. And uh, remember, everybody, that I'm on vacation, and I'll be editing this, so bear with me if this takes a while. Yeah. And sorry this episode came out a little later. Everybody's just been chilling, having a good time. Yeah, we're getting on our shit. Yeah. We'll be back. We'll be we'll be on a fucking tight schedule eventually. Remember to tell all your friends about us. Friends, enemies, acquaintances, people you don't even know. Just walk out into the street and be like, the Balls Out podcast is very good. <laughs> Yeah, Nikki C, anybody you match with on Tinder, just fucking drop the Balls Out podcast link right away. We know you don't give a fuck. <laughs> just do it. Yeah, I remember it was Zach that called you a white dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. <laughs> Overall, thanks a lot, everybody. Yep, thank you for listening. Love you guys. Peace uh, out, I'll boss. talk to you guys next week. Deuces. <laughs>